Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. I might be becoming a bad baseball fan who can't enjoy the romantic things because of advanced statistics. 15 years from now, I want to be on the early baseball committee. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. I literally have the fan graphs hoodie, the baseball reference t-shirt, just repping some stats, you know what I'm saying? It's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio. We're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Chris Gianta, over there. On the other th- on the other th- side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm very today. Um, yeah, I don't know. More more baseball happened, believe it or not, over the last few days. Um, playoff picture looks pretty interesting. We're going to talk a lot about the NL wild card today because uh, that's pretty much the most competitive race between how close is the number of teams that are in it? Um, there's just so much that can happen in this time, and it's it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the, that sixth wild card spot, third wild, that sixth playoff spot, third wild card spot, is really intriguing, especially considering all the teams that we did not really expect to see in this race that are in this race. Um, you know, we we didn't really expect to see like. Maybe the Diamondbacks leading the way or the Marlins even in the mix uh, or even maybe even the Giants in the mix. But uh, here we are, and especially not the Reds in the mix. We did not expect we did not expect that whatsoever. But we stand here um, with all of them very much in contention. Um, And yeah, I mean, out of I mean, as it stands right now, as we record, uh, I know we have. Uh, you know, as this is being released, the Cubs and Diamondbacks game will probably be underway. But as we record, the uh, the sixth the sixth uh, playoff spot in the National League playoff picture is currently held by the Arizona Diamondbacks, with the uh, Marlins trailing by a, a half a game and the Reds trailing by half a game. Um, and I believe, uh, as I go to FanGraphs, none of those three teams have a have playoff odds above 50%. Um, so like, you know, none of them is really the clear favorite to get in. It's pretty, it's very intriguing what we have ahead of us here. Yeah. Uh, it looks like the Phillies are pretty safe in the fourth seed. They're five games up over the, uh, over the, uh, I guess the Marlins for the, um, for that final wild card spot or five up on the Diamondbacks either, or one of those two, but uh, the Phillies look pretty safe in that four seed. They're not going to win the division. Uh, the Chicago Cubs are on. They're still on that run, and uh, they're three games up uh, in that second wild card spot. You know, obviously not a guarantee that they're in at this point, but you know it looks they're looking pretty comfortable. But yeah, you have the Diamondbacks holding onto that third spot. The Marlins half a game out. The Reds half a game out. The Giants only two and a half games out. And then you look at the Padres and Giants that are or uh, the Padres and Pirates, rather, then, you know, I think both of them are probably out of it at this point. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, this is a very interesting race. Uh, the Cubs-Diamondback series is going to be really big because they play three this weekend, and then I believe they play four next week as well. So uh, because they haven't played each other at all this season, they play three this weekend at Wrigley starting today. Um, and then, yeah, the, the Cubs go to the desert next week. I don't know if it's for three or four, but um i'll check that right now so it would start I believe, on thursday yeah i believe this three. this the series started uh yesterday so it's four at wrigley and then three gotcha. in uh in arizona but yeah it, it is weird to have you know 
you know how Wrigley works is they have the Friday mm-hmm. day games, but they started yes. with a with a um a Thursday night game with a Thursday night game and then going into yeah. Friday night or, fr- or Friday yeah. afternoon. Yeah, yeah so they did so, play last night. the The Diamondbacks took it. Um, so the Diamondbacks could even leapfrog the Cubs if they play well enough, uh, or at least get very close to leapfrogging the Cubs. Yeah, that is uh, that is very true. Yeah, Cubs are you know riding riding a bit uh riding a bit hot. Um, they currently have an eighty nine point eight percent chance to make the playoffs according to Fangraphs playoff odds. So I mean that is a you know really good spot to be in. They're three and a half of the they're three and a half ahead of the team that's or the first team out of the wild card race. So yeah, they're, they're very intriguing. Um, and not really a team that I don't think a lot of teams want to face right now. Um, but, but yeah, the Cubs are kind of comfortably in it. If they don't end up making, you know, this wild card spot, it would be sort of on them, like sort of blowing it. It's unless a team really, really went off. Um, I think, you know, it would, it's kind of the pressures on them right now. Yeah. The Cubs throughout this season have the third best run scoring offense in the national league. They've scored 718 runs. The only teams that have scored more are the Atlanta Braves and the LA Dodgers. And those are the two teams that everyone knew uh, were going to be towards the top of the, of the league this year. And the Cubs are right there at number three. Um, And, you know, they were, you know, at best a sleeper team this year. I don't think anyone expected a 97, a plus 97 run differential on September 8th. Um, but that's where we're at with this team right now. They've looked really, really good. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I think they're the safest team right now out of the ones that aren't completely in yet. I think the Phillies we can pretty much say are pretty safe right now um, to at least make the playoffs. You know, if they win, if they go 500 in their, in their next, uh, what, 22 games or so, however many they have left, they'd win like 92, 93. So. Right. Right. Exactly. And, the only reason why they're not competing for, you know, the division is because the Braves are, uh, are on pace for 106 better. wins. Yeah. So yeah, the Phillies. Yeah, exactly. The, yeah. The Phillies are Phillies doing better are. than they were last year and, but they're just, you know, not, not able to really compete with the Braves in the regular season. We saw that was a much different case uh, in the postseason. but yeah, as far as the wild card race goes, one team that, um, you know, was was securely in a playoff spot for a while, but is completely out of it right now, or, or you know, out of a playoff spot, two and a half out of um, two and a half out of a playoff spot is the uh, San Francisco Giants. They were 11 games above 500 about a month ago, uh, but now they are at a flat 500 at 70 and 70. Uh, and yeah, that is because they have lost. They've gone eight and 19 in their last 27 games. They uh, are tied for the second worst record in major league baseball. Only the Rockies have been worse than the giants uh, in the, in their last 27 games. Um, and basically the last entire month, because it started on August 8th uh, and we're recording on September 8th. And yeah, it's been a problem of offense with the giants. They have the lowest on base percentage and slugging in this 27 game span. They have the lowest expected slugging and expected Woba in this span uh, as far as batted ball pro- profile stuff goes, they have the third lowest average exit velocity, eighth lowest line drive rate, and fourth lowest barrel rate. But yeah, the Giants have really kind of, uh, you know, they, they sort of dropped the ball. I don't know if it had to do with schedule. I don't know if it had to do with them, you know, just 
maybe they were over i think it was a bit of overperformance on their end before the span but but yeah they've kind of fell out fell out of it yeah no i mean the giants uh it, they've been it, it really since the trade deadline it's been rough since uh, on august 5th or excuse me finishing their game on august 3rd they were 61 and 49 so that would make them what 12 games above 500 13 games yeah. 12 games above 500 and they sit today uh i believe below 500 entirely um yeah they're 70 and 70 so they're 12 games under 500 since august 3rd um which has been uh you know the main reason why they've been uh struggling to this degree or it's the reason they're out of the playoff race to that degree i guess um as far as actual reasons why i'm kind of just checking that out right now yeah it's 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 really their offense uh lowest Mm -hmm. on base percentage and slugging lowest expected Ah. slugging and expected woba um or at least since august 8th which is the span uh i went into yeah that's a, a 78 weighted runs created plus since august 5th uh and also right. the pitching hasn't been fantastic either they have a 4.05 era uh 3.98 fip so you know not not terrible but certainly not lighting the world on fire yeah exactly exactly and and uh they had a chance to kind of keep themselves in the race but they got swept by the cubs um, mm-hmm. earlier this week or, or, uh, actually, yeah, no, earlier this week, it was a three game set. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, it was rough. They got dominated by Justin Steele in the first game, uh, which is, you know, understandable, but they, mm-hmm. you know, they blew a, their bullpen blew a six to four lead and lost 11 to eight after that. And then they lost eight to do, uh, the, the day after that. So, you know, unfortunate for them that, you know, in, in a big series, they just did not really come through at all. Yeah. So looking into some of the guys that have been struggling for the Giants, it's been a lot of it has been Lamont and Wade Jr. Very specifically in this span since uh, August 5th, he's played in 21 games. He's had 82 plate appearances and he's slashing 184, 244, 303 for a 51 OPS pl- or weighted runs created plus. He's also had a negative impact on defense and overall he's been worth negative 0.4 wins above replacement. Um, uh, you know, they've also had uh, J.D. Davis, who was one of their better hitters for a while. He has 106 plate appearances in this span, has a 69 weighted runs created plus, and he's broke even in F4 uh, because he's had relatively average defense and, and base running as well. Um, yeah, I mean, they they just haven't gotten it to click on offense uh, as a unit overall. And uh, yeah, that's been kind of the reason why they've been struggling so much. Yeah, as we mentioned, you know, lowest lowest on base percentage and slugging percentage in the last 27 games and i think last 30 or 30 games which would be when that span started um yeah so you know it it hasn't been hasn't been the best offensively i think maybe you could have seen that lineup as a potential weakness uh heading into the heading into the season or at least more of a weakness than the rest of their roster um and yeah i mean they ultimately failed on getting uh two free agents which wasn't completely their fault but you know that's that's what they were looking to fill you know mitch hanniger and michael conforto haven't really been able to be regular contributors like they wanted them to um which is unfortunate for them so they've been relying on a lot of like sort of inexperienced or like just a lot of different players that you wouldn't expect to be getting a lot of playing time. Like this guy, Wade Meckler, who I hadn't really heard of, um, who has a 39% strikeout rate in the team's uh, last 
27 games uh you know also you know also like austin slater out there you know like has a 554 ops in the team's last 27 games um so like you know it's not even necessarily that their stars are you know not performing like they should have it's just sort of like they have a lack of stars and you know lack of lack of guys that you really want out there you know performing because i mean looking at just looking at the team's last 27 games they only have 22 plate appearances from Mikey Stremski, 21 from Mitch Haniger, 48 from Michael Conforto. Like you want those guys to get more plate appearances, but it looks like health has been sort of an issue for them. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, they're relying so much on inexperienced players to really carry them. And as awesome as Patrick Bailey has been, and as much as I praised him on the all underrated team uh, from the catcher position, specifically on defense and, you know, his batted ball profile has been pretty good and he just hasn't gotten the results, but even still, you can only expect so much from a guy that's a rookie catcher, um, especially when, you know, when you look at the Giants specifically, like they were they had a, a lock at the catcher position position for the last decade. So, you know, obviously they've been looking for guys to fill those big shoes and Patrick Bailey might be that guy. But it's a lot of pressure to put on a guy, especially in his rookie season, trying to carry an offense to a playoffs or even just a team to the playoffs in general. Right, exactly. It's 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 a lot of responsibility there. Um, and yeah, part of part of that is just sort of out of the Giants control a little bit, like with health and, you know, lack of luck in the free agent market. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's it's looking more and more as the days go by, especially with how the last month has gone, where it's been sort of like how we outlooked the Giants pre, you know, preseason, which was, you know, this is a potential bridge year, you know, getting their young guys up and experienced and you know, signing some veteran guys who aren't the best, but are, you know, aren't going to make you contend, but are going to make you stay afloat. And that's kind of exactly, you know, looking at the giant season as a whole, that's exactly what they've done as, as you know, they're exactly at 500 right now. And yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be surprising to see this, you know, see their 70 and 70 record, but with how it's gone, like with the last month, it, it does come off a lot more surprising with how bad it's been. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I know you mentioned them missing out on the two free agents and a lot of it wasn't their fault, but I can't help but wonder what if this team landed Aaron judge and where would they be right now if that had happened? Because, you know, I know that like, when you look at his production this year, you might consider the injury, but maybe the injury doesn't happen. Right. I mean, it was not, it was not, it wasn't like a lingering thing. It was, it was a freak play in Dodger stadium where he, you know, ran into that wall. Um, I know that he would be playing in Dodger Stadium more, but, you know, you can't, that's not, it's still not a thing you can just factor in that a, a guy would hit a ball exactly right there against the giant and that, you know, on that trajectory. Um, but, you know, if you can't help but wonder how far up would this team be if they, if things had gone the right way for them in those negotiations and they had actually found a way to land Aaron Judge and to have him healthy for the majority of the thing. Uh Yeah, that is a good question. And that does, that does like make me, wonder about what their you know production out of the outfield is like on a giving giving it a quantitative form of like mm-hmm. i mean i think it'll that. make the defense better no doubt oh yeah no doubt about that i mean i'm like off the top of my head like you know it does replace a lot of production from guys like conforto hanniger uh that have been injured you know it puts less emphasis on or you know it you know you don't have to have jock peterson's defense be as prevalent um that's kind of just what i'm thinking off the top of my head 
Yeah, the the Giants have the third lowest OPS from their outfielders this year. Oh, then there you um, go. So yeah, it would it would upgrade their team a lot. And yeah, I mean that I think that injury quite quite literally would have never happened. You know, maybe maybe there's an alternate universe where uh, he gets a worse injury at another ballpark. Mm-hmm. But like we're speaking, yeah, it's in all hyper. It's all hypothetical, but. You know, yeah. if you're if you're imagining the Aaron Judge season that we've seen this year on the Yankees and putting it on the Giants, you can't just simply account for that injury very specifically because it wasn't a lingering thing. Right, exactly. And like I'm yeah, I'm thinking about yeah, you can't factor that injury. I'm I'm thinking about what that just generally what that season what this season looks like if that injury never happens. And I mean, up to that point, he had an OPS in the uh near eleven hundred. And, mm-hmm. you know, since then it's gone, it's gone down a little bit. He's been getting babbiffed a little bit since he came back, but yeah. also his, I think his base running and defense has obviously taken a little bit of a toll naturally because he's, you know, on a bad toe. Um, but like that he's at a four win season right now. And if that injury never happened, it's probably at a six or seven win season now, which is like that. Yeah. That would really help the giants out. And that would probably put them in a playoff spot right now. If they were able to, if they were able to get him. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it would it would transform the year from maybe a bridge year over to mm-hmm. a, you know, a, a playoff year. Granted, you know, it's it's all hypotheticals, and I think Judge wanted to go back to the Yankees, which is why he was, you know, pretty stiff on negotiations with other teams. But he did, I think, he wanted to go back to the Yankees, so it's not necessarily completely on the giants i mean even the padres offered 410 million dollars and he rejected it yeah. from yeah, from right. them so if you know that's that's a sign that's definitely a sign yeah um but yeah so the giants Once... they're two and a half out and yeah. the last thing i'll say on them is uh on august 7th their playoff odds were 78 percent, and now they are 21 percent. so it's been quite the downfall mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the next team that I want to talk about is the Miami Marlins because they have been, you know, every every time you think like they just shouldn't still be in it, they just find their way back into it. Um, I know that they do have a negative 44 run differential. I don't really care. It's because their bullpen's been pretty solid, uh, generally speaking, throughout this season with A.J. Puck and your guy, uh, Tanner Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, but from an offensive standpoint, I don't know if there's a team – in major league baseball that's that had a better trade deadline uh because the main the, the big two pieces that they got at the deadline were jake berger and josh bell uh berger has a an 878 ops for the marlins a 137 ops plus josh bell has an 858 ops and a 130 ops plus and chris before you ask no his ground ball rate is not down oh uh, yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's still he's still hitting the ball on the ground a little too much but when he doesn't hit it on the ground uh, he's been one of the best hitters in baseball. I mean, he already has nine home runs for the Marlins and just 136 plate appearances um, and 16 RBI, which probably means that almost all of his RBI have come on home runs. Uh, Jake Berger with six home runs uh, already, which has been pretty impressive. Yeah, Berger's, Berger's smacking the ball. He's been doing really well since the trade, as you mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, they had a good, good deadline uh, with offensive pieces, and they've done – they just had a winning streak snap against the Dodgers and they still won that series mm-hmm. against the Dodgers. I believe um, they had a six, they had a six game win streak going to pull them right back into playoff contention, which was really, really cool. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, uh, I mean, unfortunately they did get some unfortunate news. Uh, yeah. Sandy Alcantara 
uh, who was really just looking like we were, he was finally hitting his stride. You know, he's kind of struggled all season. Uh, you know, we had just haven't seen the Sandy Alcantara that we knew last year. Um, but ultimately he it's been kind of come back. Um, but unfortunately he's on the IL Jorge Soler also hit the IL. He's mashed lefties this year beyond anyone's belief. Um, yeah. I don't, I want to check the splits, but yeah, they, they are going to have to go without one of their best bats and their ACE for the rest of most likely for the rest of this year, or at least for the majority of the rest of this year, uh, off the lefties, Jorge Soler had a one, a 1089 OPS. Um, so yeah, and a 705 slugging. Yeah, the, a 705 slugging against lefties. That's crazy. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, the the Marlins are are really like, you know, it it's cliche to say, but they are like the wild card team. Like you just don't really know what to expect. You don't know where you're, you know, where the temperature should land on them. Really, like you don't know. Like it it shouldn't they they shouldn't have gotten this far, but here they are. They're no. they're here. They're here for it. Um, they have some really talented players. Some of them just hit the IL, unfortunate, unfortunately. But like, there's like really good potential with like Yuri Perez. I know we clowned him a couple times, but like, you know, he he's still, you know, he's a really good, uh, really good pitcher. Jesus Lazardo for most of the year has been really good. Um, you have these new additions with Jake Berger and Josh Bell. Uh, I think Brian De La Cruz and like Jesus Sanchez are. are are also good options with that lineup. You know, the, there's there's some really intriguing things with the Marlins team. I I just don't know how much to believe in them, but they just keep they keep showing up. They don't they they're just not leaving. They're just they just don't leave. Well, I'll tell you why it's hard to believe in the Marlins. It's because there's still so much of a black hole on that team because for the last like 3 years, we've known what the Marlins issue is. It's been offense and it's been giving too many plate appearances to guys that shouldn't get them. Uh, this year, they've given 1,245 plate appearances to Nick Fortas, uh, Joey Wendell, Gene Segura, Jacob Stallings, and Avisel Garcia, all of which have an OPS plus of 61 or lower. Wow. And that doesn't include plate appearances that went to Yuli Gurriel with an 82, play- with an 82 OPS plus uh, to like you know, various other players that have not been performing as well. Uh, yeah, you can't you can't be giving that many plate appearances to guys that have been that that have shown that little efficiency. Uh, you know, that's clearly something they need to work on this year, but they've been overcoming it, right? Like Luis Arise uh, was has been excellent all year. I know that we've been talking about the 400 possibility and that's out the window now, but, you know, fine, it's fine. He's still hitting 353 in, on September 8th with a 132 OPS plus. I think that's all right. Um, you know, Jorge Soler was excellent until he hit the IL. Um, and the pitching has, you know, been, you know, they've they've been doing their thing. I mean, Alcantara, Lazardo, Garrett, Cabrera, Perez, they've all been like service at the very least. Uh yeah, absolutely. Like pitching, yeah, pitching has not really been a a a bad thing for them, uh really for a while now. But yeah, mm-hmm. like Lizardo, I, I mentioned him as a slightly alarming, but that was only four starts and he's kind of come back like he's he's come back to form since then, which is really nice for them. Uh, Braxton Garrett, as you mentioned, he's a he's been a really nice surprise. So, yeah, I mean, like if they hypothetically go into a postseason series, um, I'm not you know, they're they're starting rotation like they're that starter versus starter matchup is going to look fairly even. It's just the fact mm-hmm. that it's going to be their offense against a number one starter. 
Yes. Um, and, you know, we saw that, like, pe- people sometimes when talking about, you know, playoff series, they forget that, like, a team's offense does exist, and it's not just yeah, the Yeah, I mean, it's so easy to look at it through the, through the eyes of the matchups and being like, oh, well, this pitcher's better, so they should win. But, like, yeah, like, we... We remember the 2021 NLDS between the Brewers and Braves. And I believe I I looked back to like make sure a a little bit ago, just thinking Mm -hmm. about like trying to rid of the playoff cliches about like it's all pitching, bro. It's all pitching. Yeah. When when I think the Brewers in when they lost the NLDS to the Braves, I think their team ERA in that series was like 3.18. It was like really good. Yeah, but they scored like three runs the whole series. Yes, they, they scored. Yeah, I think they got. They got, yeah, yeah, they got shut out at one point. They scored like six or seven runs in four games, which is crazy. And like, like that's, that was a weakness. So the Marlins could run into that problem. Maybe like, you know, Jesus Lizardo slices and dices for six innings, but they also haven't scored a run. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, 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 you do have to score more than the, than the other team. And that comes from scoring runs at some point, whether it's two or six, like you're going to have to score those runs. And just, just yeah. looking, I'm looking into that series now. Yeah. And it was, it was something. Yeah. It was quite the series. I think the Brewers um, won two, the Brewers won two to one. Then they lost three to nothing. Then they lost three to nothing again. And then they lost five to four. Uh, the Brewers, as a team, had a 527 OPS in that series. The Braves had a 697. The Brewers in that series had a 318 ERA, which is very yep. good. But the Braves right. had a 154 because they were facing the Brewers' offense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, the, just a tip if you're if you're betting on playoff games or something, just consider if there is an offense on the other side of that pitching matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, <clears throat> but yeah. So the Marlins, so the Marlins lie half game out. The Reds also lie half game out. They also just don't seem to go away. Um, but for some reason, I believe I don't know. I just believe there's something magical about the Reds this year. I don't know what it is, but they just mm-hmm. have something. Yeah, I mean, I know that we kind of you know we look at Ellie De La Cruz and like we don't see the guy that everyone else sees because we look at fan graphs. Uh, but he is extremely fun and he is extremely exciting when he's hitting. Problem is he's not yeah. always hitting, right? I mean, he has a below average weighted runs created plus. Uh, he has a what thirty five percent strikeout rate this year, thirty four point four percent. Yeah. But you know he's a guy that is capable of going on a run and kind of just putting the entire offense on his back. Um, and it feels like it's due to happen at any time, regardless of what the the weighted runs created plus says. Right. Right. Uh. Yeah, it's a it's a good point to make. Like with how yeah, with how hard he hits the ball and how often he can barrel it, you know, he he can definitely go on a run. Uh along with that, you know, Spencer Steer is has been a, uh, you know, the second best Reds rookie behind uh Matt McClain, I think. Um yep. so there there has there has been him and and what he's been able to bring to the lineup. Will Benson, like just an underrated king out there with an 853 OPS, yeah. 366 on base percentage with good base running, like they're also just a really good base running team. Um, I mean, the, the concern you would have is with starting pitching, considering how like the level, the level of talent they have on the IL right now um, is tough. Yes. You know, Hunter green, Hunter greens on the IL Graham Ashcraft, 
uh, Brandon Williamson and Nicola Dolo has been on the IL for a while, unfortunately. So the only like real consistent starter that they've had for most, for most of the year is Andrew Abbott. Um, so that's a concern of theirs. Uh, their bullpen has been surprisingly not a disaster. So that's, that's good for them. Um, but yeah, I, it's a, it's hard to outlook. Like it, it's hard to outlook what this team is. It seems like the team most reliable to succeed out of this, like, you know, motley crew of like four teams is probably the diamondbacks. Cause of like, mm-hmm. they're, they seem like the most deep. Yes. They no, just, I, I would absolutely agree with that. Yeah. They seem like the most deep. Um, and as if you want to outlook schedule wise, the, Marlins have the hardest uh, schedule remaining of these four teams. They have the fifth hardest schedule remaining in baseball. They have to face the Braves for a series, the Phillies for a series, and the Brewers for two series. So that's, you know, three really high level teams for, you know, accounting for more than half their schedule, 13 out of 22 games. Um, The team with the easiest schedule remaining is the Reds. They have the fifth easiest schedule remaining in baseball. Uh, They have two series against the Cardinals. Uh, They also have a series against the Tigers, Mets, Pirates, and Guardians. And the only really tough series they have is the Twins, uh, which they could easily win. The Reds are, you know, around the same record as the Twins. So, you know, not much to worry about there. And then, yeah, the Diamondbacks have a middle-of-the-pack schedule remaining. There's, you know, 16th hardest in baseball. Giants have the... Uh, ninth easiest which isn't the worst thing in the world but they also have to face the Dodgers for two series and the Diamondbacks for a series but they also have the Rockies for two series so it's you know completely polar opposites but they have the ninth easiest schedule remaining yeah I don't know if you had to predict who do you think is going to end up with the sixth seed in the wild card spot yeah I mean the Diamondbacks is probably the safe pick the Reds might be like a sneaky pick the Marlins have just continued to find a way and the giants are capable of climbing back into it. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the diamondbacks. I think they've just been there for most of the season and they've overcome, uh, you know, a really, really bad losing stretch, you know, even with as little experience they have, I think it's been really impressive the way that they've just climbed back into it and become a formidable playoff foe again, after that stretch where they, fell under 500 uh like they had an improbably bad uh run that we talked about you know a couple months ago but uh they are back and i feel like they're just gonna keep going yeah it it does it does seem like it should be them they they also just seem to have the most talented roster out of you know the these four different teams um yeah you know but there are there are some there are still some concerns I have with just the roster. Like just for example, the, the rotation beyond gallon and Kelly, you know, I I don't know how many reliable starts you're going to get out of, you know, the other three options that they, that they have Um, the bullpen. I don't, I still don't love, but yeah, their offense is really nice. They have great impact players like Corbin Carroll and Christian Walker. Um, So there is that. The Reds are an interesting option because they have the easiest strength of schedule out of these four teams, uh, fifth easiest schedule in baseball. Uh, so, you know, that that part does come into play, but they also are a roster filled with holes. So, I mean, you know, I, 
If I had to pick, I think I'd go Diamondbacks, but I wouldn't be surprised to see the Reds get it. I'd be very surprised to see the Marlins mm-hmm. get it considering their schedule. But, you know, the Marlins are uh, just keep surprising us. So who knows? Yeah, no, I would also be surprised to see the Marlins get it or even the Giants uh, just because of how many teams they have to leapfrog. But, yeah, right. I think the Diamondbacks are the pick I'd go with at this moment right now. But that could change tomorrow. It could, could change next week. It could change at any point. Yeah, absolutely. I know, like, the Marlins at this point last week were, like, only one game above 500. So, and I just figured they were out of it. Yeah, but, right. Yeah. But then they go off and they win six in a row, including two against the Dodgers. So, yeah, you really do. You really do never know. Um, but yeah, and the Giant, yeah, the Giants coming back would surprise me considering the, their momentum right now. They're just not, you know, they're just not winning. They just haven't been able to do that in a month. Um, so yeah, that would definitely surprise me. Anything more before we get into players to highlight? I think that's it. All right. So now we will get into our Friday, September 8th, 2023 edition of How About That? He's striking out less, walking more, and he's also making better contact. Turning into a strikeout machine just out of nowhere. He's been excellent all around this year. He is getting a... How about that? Yeah, so for my how about that today, I'm going with a guy uh, that I actually went with as a how about that in 2021. And he's been doing it again uh, over the last couple of months. I'm talking about Freddie Peralta from the Milwaukee Brewers. He's really been carrying that rotation since July 26th over his last eight starts. He has a 2.09 ERA and a 1.97 FIP. That ERA ranks third lowest in the majors in this span, and his FIP is second lowest only to Cole Riggins who has been just lighting the world on fire. Uh, Before this span, Freddie Peralta's fly ball rate was 29.1%, and his line drive rate was 21.8%. And in this span, his fly ball rate has gone down to 25.5%. That's about a 4% drop. And his line drive rate, his line drive rate has gone down to 13.8%. That's an 8-point drop. So additionally... His ground ball rate before the span was 40.1%, and his pop-up rate was 8.7%. And in the span, his ground ball rate has gone up 5.5% to 45.7%, and his pop-up rate has gone up to 14.9%. That is a 6% gain, and that is the 6th highest pop-up rate among the 212 pitchers with at least 50 batted balls allowed in this span. Uh, His four-seam fastball, which has been his most used pitch in the span, has been one of the most effective pitches in all of baseball. Uh, It it has a 40.5% whiff rate, which is the highest among the 76 pitchers with at least 100 swings against their four-seamer, and it also ranks uh, 3% above the second-highest whiff rate on four-seamers. So again, 40% of his four-seam fastballs have been... Uh, 40% of the swings have been misses, which is excellent. Uh, among the 85 pitchers with at least 200 four-seamers thrown in the span, Freddie Peralta ranks second in batting average against at 132, first in slugging percentage against at 145, with the second highest being 216, first in expected batting average with a 143, second in expected slugging with a 192, the second lowest being 284, and first in run value with 9.7. Uh, so he's had a remarkable run over the last few months his fastball has been electric uh, his bad ball profile has been so much better especially with the pop-ups and because of that freddie peralta has been one of the best pitchers in baseball for the last month and a half yeah freddie peralta how about that um yeah he is a sub two fip over eight starts is mm-hmm. pretty remarkable um and yeah i mean 
that yeah that four seamer definitely seems to show effect and it you know along with the whiff rate it you would assume also most of the pop-ups are coming off that four seamer as well considering you know Mm -hmm. how you know the if you gotta if you're throwing it up in the zone it's gonna have a higher pop-up rate so yeah i mean working really effectively um my how about that i was worried i was when you introed it i was worried um you were going with the same guy as me because i think you've also i think also you did a how about that on a on this guy in 2021 but uh but yeah i'm talking about uh yoan mancada who has been kind of struggling uh for the last two years up to up to his last 11 games uh and in his last 11 games he is hitting 444 with a 1278 ops and out of 182 qualifiers in the span yoan mancada leads the MLB in batting average is fifth in on-base percentage seventh in slugging and fifth in OPS. Uh, Mancata also has a 401 expected batting average in the span and out of 182 hitters with 150 plus pitches seen in the span, his expected batting average is the highest. Uh, it's really hard to have a 400 expected batting average in really any span. So it's really impressive that he's been able to do this in his last 11 games. Uh, along with that, his expected slugging is sixth and his expected Woba is fourth in this span. Uh, a large part of this has to do with him hitting the ball way harder. His average exit velocity has gone from 88.4 more, 88.4 miles per hour to, uh, before the span to 94.0 miles per hour in this span. Out of 194 uh, hitters with 25 plus batted balls in the span, his average exit velocity ranks 14th. Uh, along with that, Yoan Mancada's line drive rate has gone from 27% to 46%. Uh, out of 194 hitters, he has the highest line drive rate in baseball in the span. Uh, and on those line drives, he's 10 for 12 with three doubles. So it is working out really, really well for him. Uh, along with that, Mancada's sweet spot rate, which kind of coincides with the line drive rate a little bit, has gone from 40% before the span to 62% in the span. Almost two out of three batted balls that Mancada hits is between that eight and 32 degree zone, which you know is really important because hitters hit about 590 and slug around 1100 uh, in that area. And out of 194 hitters, you know, Mancada's sweet spot rate is the highest in baseball. Uh, so his line drive rate and sweet spot rate are the highest, uh, along with his batting average in in baseball in the span. Uh, along with that, Yohan Mankata's barrel rate has gone from 6% before the span to 19%. It is more than tripled. Uh, along with that, out of 194 hitters, uh, Yohan Mankata's barrel rate is uh, 16th highest in in baseball, near the top 10 or in the top 10% in all of baseball. So. Yohan Mankata is hitting the ball much, much harder. He's hitting way more line drives, way more balls in the sweet spot zone, and also way more barrels. So, uh, And that has resulted in him having the highest batting average in baseball and the fifth highest OPS uh, in basically the last two weeks of uh, of baseball here. So Yohan Mankata is getting a... How about that? And uh, yeah, and now we will get into players or subjects that have been underperforming with our... Friday, September 8th, 2023 edition of Slightly Alarming Statistics. He's been barreling up the ball way less. He's not missing bats. He's not getting the ball on the ground, and people are hitting it in the air more. It's been so bad. He is getting a... Slightly alarming. Yeah, good stuff there, Chris. I did do a how about that on Yohan Moncada in 2021, and I talked about how 
he was on pace to have his second season qualifying season with a 400 BABIP, and he would have been the first player in the live ball era to do so. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't look like he's going to qualify this year unless he has like 60 plate appearances a game here on out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, for my slightly alarming, I am putting someone in the fro zone because it is the second time I am highlighting him on slightly alarming. I'm talking about Nolan Arenado, obviously of the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, because since August 21st, he is slashing 167, 224, 204 for a 428 OPS and a 14 weighted runs cre- created plus, along with a negative 0.4 F4. Uh, in this span, his slugging percentage ranks third lowest, his weighted runs created plus ranks sixth lowest, and his F4 is tied for third lowest among the 181 qualifiers. Uh, and during the span, his fly ball rate is around 23.9%, which is around the major league average, but his average exit velocity on fly balls is 84.2 miles per hour, and that is tied for the lowest among the 137 hitters with at least 10 fly balls in this span. Now, if if Nolan Arnato's average exit velocity on fly balls was around like 90 miles per hour, that would still not be great. Like You're not getting a home run really at all on that unless you kind of hook it down the line. But 84.2 miles per hour is a free out every single time on a fly ball. Like There's no scenario in which that's a hit virtually at any point. Uh, his average exit velocity overall in the span is 84.5 miles per hour. That is the eighth lowest among the 175 hitters with at least 50 plate appearances in this span. And against fastballs, he is hitting and slugging 174. That average ranks 16th lowest and slugging ranks 7th lowest among the 212 hitters with at least 25 plate appearances ending on a fastball. I know that the Cardinal season is kind of meaningless right now, uh, but... You know, Nolan Arnato has, and Nolan Arnato is, you know, pretty safe. He has the contract there. He opted into his deal with the Cardinals. So it's hard to imagine he's going anywhere, although not impossible. But, you know, he certainly has not been hitting very well over the last uh, few weeks. Yeah, Nolan Arenado. Slightly alarming. Um, Yeah, and uh, yeah, in the throw zone, which I don't, yeah, I think only has happened one other time in ARR in history, AR history which, yeah which, which was, was sort guess. of yeah it was sort of accidental because our guests didn't know which you know slightly alarming as we had done previously so yeah. it made for a double dip um but yeah and honestly I don't see it as that bad of a marker because like it means that he got better after our slightly alarming and then yeah back to it's two it's two separate spans entirely because i talked about him in like april or may yeah no it's it's been and about, he has a yeah he has a 796 ops this season which obviously means at some point he he turned it back on yeah like uh yeah it's been about four months since since we talked about him and yeah for the second time with nolan arenado we're both uh, we're double dipping oh, nice. on, nice. on Arenado. So, so really, we've covered him four times. Yes, we have. Uh, sorry, Nolan. Um, but <laughs> in his last eleven games, he is hitting one thirty six with a three thirty three OPS and negative eighteen weighted runs created plus. Uh, out of one hundred eighty two qualifiers in this span, Nolan Arenado's average is fifth lowest, on base percentage is fourth lowest, slugging is second lowest, and OPS is the lowest. So yeah, of course, of course, we're double dipping. We had to highlight him. If he has the lowest OPS in his last 11 games uh, out of 182 hitters with 150 plus pitches seen in the span, his expected Woba is also the fifth lowest in baseball. 
Uh, his average exit velocity, just generally speaking, uh, on all batted balls, has gone from 89.2 miles per hour before the spin to 84.8 miles per hour in the spin. And his hard hit rate has gone from 40% to 24%. And out of 194 hitters with 25 plus batted balls in the spin, uh, Nolan Arenado's hard hit rate is 20th lowest. Uh, and along with that, Nolan Arenado's line drive rate has gone from 25% to 16%. Sweet spot rate has gone from 34% to 24%. And his pop-up rate has also gone from 11% to 16%. And out of 194 hitters, Nolan Arenado's pop-up rate is the 10th highest in baseball. Uh, and also along with that, partially on your point of uh, average exit velocity on fly balls, his barrel rate has gone from 8% before the span to 3% in the span. Uh, you know, it's been cut by more than half. So Nolan Arenado, it's yeah, not not really a miss, uh, not really a, a case of him missing the ball. It's just when he hits the ball, it's not doing what it normally does. He's he's not hitting the ball. He's hitting the ball way softer. He's hitting far less line drives, uh, far less barrels, far less balls in the sweet spot zone, more pop ups and uh, just not getting not getting the good results. And uh that is why, from both of us, he's getting a... Slightly alarming. Um. All right. Well, that will do it for players to highlight. And we will get into a preview of the weekend ahead. Um. Some of these series have already started. I will be talking about the series to watch. Daniel will be talking about the day-by-day pitching matchups. And, uh, yeah, a series, uh, yeah a, a series that has already started and uh, is important in the playoff picture is Cubs Diamondbacks uh, both currently hold a spot in the National League playoff picture. They're the fifth and sixth seeds there. Uh, so yeah, that's a set of four. It started yesterday, yesterday with the D-backs winning uh, and it'll continue Friday afternoon and through Sunday. Uh, along with that, we have Marlins Phillies at Citizens Bank Park. Uh, Phillies have a little less to play for than the Marlins. Marlins have a good amount to play for considering they're a half game out of the uh of that sixth wild card or that sixth playoff spot and the premier series to watch uh is a four another four game series it is at Tropicana Field it is between the Rays and the Mariners who are both trying to win their division but if they don't win their division they pr- pretty much have a easy spot in the wild card race um but yeah they're both fighting to win their division right now and they are two two of the most talented teams in the American League so definitely a, a series to watch there what do you have for the day by day pitching matchups yeah so on friday as we're recording this i this will probably already have happened by the time this comes out but Zach Gallen and Jamison Tyon will face each other in the Diamondbacks Cubs uh, matinee today uh, Andrew Abbott will be pitching for the Reds against the Cardinals in Great American Ballpark. George Kirby and Taj Bradley will face each other in Mariners Rays, as Chris just mentioned, in Tropicana Field. Uh, Mackenzie Gore will be facing the Dodgers for the Nationals at Nationals Park. The Nationals have played very well at home lately, and Mackenzie Gore has looked a lot better as the season has gone on. Yuri Perez will be facing the uh, Phillies for the Marlins in Citizens Bank Park. Um, you will have Yusei Kikuchi facing the uh, Royals for the Blue Jays at the Rogers Center. Kyle Bradish and Tanner Houck will face each other in Orioles Red Sox at Fenway. Jordan Montgomery will be facing the A's for the Rangers uh, at home in Texas. Blake Snell and Hunter Brown will face each other in Padres Astros uh, in Houston. Kodai Senga will be facing the Met- the Twins for the Mets in Minnesota. Uh, and then 
Kyle Harrison will be facing the uh, Rockies for the Giants at home. And matchup of the night comes from Pirates and Braves in Atlanta. It's Mitch Keller versus Bryce Elder. Yeah, you got a good strikeout guy versus good ground ball guy. Absolutely. So then on Saturday, um, Wade Miley will be facing the Yankees for the Brewers at Yankee Stadium. Brewers trying to expand their division lead. Uh, David Peterson and Kenta Maeda will face each other in Mets Twins at Target Field. Uh, Merrill Kelly and Justin Steele will face each other in Diamondbacks and Cubs. Obviously a big matchup there. Uh, Bobby Miller will be facing the Dodge, the Nationals for the Dodgers at Nats Park. Aaron Savali will be facing the Mariners for the Rays in the Trop. Uh, Jack Flaherty and Chris Sale will be facing each other in Orioles Red Sox. Uh, you will have Johnny Cueto and Aaron Nola facing each other in Marlins and Phillies. Uh, Tarek Skubal will be facing the White Sox for the Tigers at home. John Gray will be facing the A's for the Rangers. Um, you will have uh, Lucas Giolito making his return to Angels Stadium uh, facing Tyler Anderson. And then you'll have Seth Lugo and Christian Javier facing each other in Padres Astros. I already kind of brushed through this, but match of the night or match of the day is going to be Merrill Kelly versus Justin Steele. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's 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 a great run prevention game there. That's for yeah. sure. Um, not to get Merrill off track, Kelly. but but um, I I realized that I think we're we're moving on and we we uh we can't do like the 2014 classics anymore because I heard Johnny Cueto's name. And I was like, it's more of like a tool. It's Aaron Nola. Like, yeah. He no, was and, but like the, the, the guys that peaked in 2014 are like all retired now or just, out yeah, of you got, you got to just move it up to a different year. Yeah, exactly. Like a 2016, 2017 classic. Now I it just, I heard Quito's yeah, name. I guess you could I was, say Johnny Quito versus Aaron Nola. Yeah. I yeah. heard Quito's name and I was like, Oh, what are some other 2014 classics we could go with? And I'm like, there's really not that many. Like, yeah, Granky versus Cueto. Yeah, like Bumgarner's like Qu- sort Granky of out versus of baseball Ray, right Ray now. Right. Yeah, Bumgarner's right. out of baseball. Yeah, I guess Kershaw. Right. Yeah. yeah the um, in the IL. By the way, Merrill Kelly this year, 148 innings pitched, and he is a 9.6 strikeouts per nine. Yeah, he's been he's been good. Like, look, you know, whatever luck he Might has, a- it's still been good. Might be a higher strikeout rate this year than Steele. Yeah, probably. Yeah, he's probably, probably around the same. He's a nine point one. Yeah. 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 So how about that? Um, on Sunday to finish it off, uh, Ranger Suarez will be facing the Marlins for the Phillies at Citizens Bank Park. Zach Eflin will be facing the Mariners uh, for the Rays at the Trop. Grayson Rodriguez and Brian Bayo, a couple of young guys, going in the finale of Red Sox Orioles. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun for sure. Um, whole Reagans, it's going to be Reagan's day in, uh, in Toronto. So, I mean, be on the lookout at one thirty-seven PM Eastern time. Hunter green will be coming off the IL to face, uh, the Cardinals for the reds at home. Tyler McGill and Pablo Lopez will face each other in Mets twins. Um, Andrew Heaney will be facing the A's for the Rangers at home. Tanner Bybee will be facing the Angels for the Guardians at uh, at Angel Stadium and matchup of the day, without any doubt. By the way, is there why is a why is the Sunday night game uh, Rockies Giants at Oracle? Um, is there is there a specific reason for that? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I don't know. You got 
Arenado and Story versus you know you got Cueto Bumgarner <laughs> over there. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of when that matchup was ever relevant. No, like, it's like the Giants were not they're... good when the Rockies were good, and the Rockies were not good when the Giants were good, and the Rockies and the Rockies were not good. Yeah, no. <laughs> they just weren't good. Anyway, that's very odd. Matchup of the night or matchup of the afternoon comes from Brewers Yankees. It's Corbin Burns versus Garrett Cole. Yeah, yeah, that is a <laughs> that is a bad day to be. You a... could have had Padres Astros. Like, did they? Yeah. Maybe they just didn't want to put the Astros on twice or twice, like two times in a row. Yeah, I guess not. Yeah, yeah. Burns and, and Cole, tough day to be a a contact percentage. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'd, I'd hate to be a contact percentage that day. And what? What was the last time the Rockies were on Sunday Night Baseball? Like, I'm not maybe. even gonna count the wild card game. Like Sunday Night Baseball. Like they wanted them there. Yeah. No, I like maybe against the Dodgers once or something. The people need to see Peter Lambert. Maybe there's just a contractual obligation. Like you have to have this team on like every three years, at least once (laughs) every three years. Yeah. And they're realizing, oh my God, it's the end of 2023. It's been three years. Yeah. They're playing the Giants. Cool. They might make the playoffs. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so odd. Um, All right. Well, that does it for this installment of Above Replaced Radio. We hope you enjoyed this one. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and want to watch the conversation as it happens, go to our YouTube channel and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Look at all the features. Look at the playlists. Look at the shorts. Uh, you know, guest interviews with uh, Chris Cotillo, most recently Mike Petriello. Go back to the archives. Check out our interviews interviews with Sarah Langs, Chris Rose, Mark Simon multiple times. Um, really good stuff over there. And most of it, you know, it's not time uh specific you know it, it ranges over time and uh yeah go check out our social medias follow me on twitter at chris underscore gianta follow daniel on both twitter and instagram at daniel underscore current and follow the show instagram at above replacement radio for all the show needs we hope you enjoyed this one and we hope to see you next time where we will be talking all the happenings in major league baseball once again see you then this conversation this conversation is over is over